Welcome to the World Outspoken feature. World Outspoken exists to support culture makers speaking good news into the cities they make. One of the ways we support culture makers is by highlighting inspiring makers having a profound impact on the shape of their cities. In today's feature, we sit down with artistic director and resident choreographer of Ballet 5-8, Juliana Rubio Slager. Ballet, as with many of the fine arts, is perceived as art for the aristocracy. The art form is commonly expensive, exclusive, and occasionally elitist. But Ballet 5-8 subverts these common values to provide accessible, high-quality dance training to students of all ages, levels of ability, and ethnic backgrounds. Their school commits to fostering a nurturing environment where instructors care for the students, spirits, and bodies. This is Ballet Reimagined. This is a studio telling a different story and making a new city. Let's listen to Juliana as she introduces herself, Ballet 5-8, and the city they make. Yeah, um, I am a huge fan of ballet. I have been ever since I was a kid. Um, I love to watch it. I love to perform it myself. I love to teach it. Um, it's one of those things that from a young age, I was just fully enthralled with how this art form can share beauty and can share beautiful stories. Um, and so I've made that into a career. Um, and the other thing that I love with my whole heart is the Lord Jesus. And so bringing those two things together has been a huge honor for me. Um, I co-founded Ballet 58 in 2012 with Amy Sanderson um, here in Chicago and it started out as just a small company we had six dancers um, about 80 kids in our school and from there it's taken off and we have about 25 dancers now and over 300 students um, at four different campuses and so it's just been incredible to see how much growth has happened in just such a short amount of time. Uh, why the name 5-8 Ballet 5-8? Yeah, so when Amy and I were first trying to decide what to name the company, we wanted something that was explicitly Christian because we thought that's the best way to keep the mission and the vision very clear um, for ourselves and also for subsequent generations of people running and organizing and operating Ballet 58. Um, but at the same time, we also wanted a name that inspired questions rather than naming it, you know, Redeemer or something really obvious. We wanted something that sparked a discussion uh -huh. where people had to say, wait, what does that mean? What is Ballet 5-8 and how, how does that relate? Um, and so it's based off of Romans 5-8, which says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and that's our starting point. You know, that's the starting point of the art that we make. We know that God reached out first. He was the one that came to us. Um, and because of that, that's how we want our art to speak as well, that we're reaching out to people who maybe don't know God or don't know him fully or don't know him truly. Um, and so that's the inspiration behind the art and hence the name. Yeah, so Ballet 5-8 was started by you and Amy. Yeah. Had that explicit Christian mission, which is great. But one thing that's particular about it is that it's also a not-for-profit. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. We're yeah, we're a 501c3, um, and we do a lot of charitable work, both in our School of the Arts and also through a lot of free programming and performances with our company. Yeah, was that intentional? Was there a motivation behind that? Why choose to go the nonprofit route for the ballet company? 
Yeah, so in ballet, it's typical actually to be a nonprofit. So that yeah. was the background we both came from. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I think we also, both of us come from a missions background as well. And so having a 501c3 enables you to, to gain support um, from people that get behind your mission in a different way than being an LLC or mm -hmm. any of the other kinds of organization. Um, and so we're donor funded. Um, we also receive grants for our work. And so the 501c3 makes all of that possible. There's, for people in the arts, there's always that tension of uh, art and the Christian faith, how these things relate to one another, what they become as they develop, right? Most artists start with a particular stance and that sort of changes and morphs as they continue to do their art. How does Ballet 58 resolve this tension? That's such a great question. Um, I think the core of who we are is that we want to be redemptive in the way that we tell the stories that we create um, in our ballets. And what I mean by that is that we don't always tell the same story. We don't always tell a story straight out of scripture, but every story that we do tell, it's redemptive. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my favorite um, inspirations, his name is Blaine Hogan. Um, he's a creative director that's worked for Willow Creek. The way he puts it is that there is both grit and grace in the story. Story. Um, and in order to keep your artistic intention biblically based, but also not put yourself in a box where you have to only do, you know, stories that come directly from scripture, you have to have an underpinning of what you're going to do through your art and what the compass is or the litmus test is for what is art that comes from a Christian background. So for me, that's telling stories that are redemptive, that show the grace of God, but also show the depth and the struggle that we have as humans. Um, and so showing that grit and that grace is what kind of guides the company. Um, we want people to see the beauty of God, but we also want them to see um, something on stage that they can relate back to, to say, okay, I'm not perfect and the world isn't always rose-colored. You know, there are hard things that happen and we like to show that through the art, um, but we don't want to leave people there. We don't want to leave them depressed. Um, and that's something you see in art a lot mm -hmm. where people see the sadness and the sorrow around them and they express that, but they stop there. Whereas Ballet 5.8, we take that one step further and say, look, these are hard things. These are difficult issues. These are things that we all are grieving over, and these are the hard parts of life, but there's still hope after that. Um, and I think that concept is really what guides us as artists um, and allows us to have freedom, too, to go outside of the box, um, to not just do a Christmas pageant or an Easter pageant, but to really explore the depth of many different facets of art and storytelling. Who decides on the stories? Yeah, so that's my job um, as artistic director and also as resident choreographer. My job is to create the content for the organization. And so that is a lot of... Um, research and it's also just a lot of keeping your ear to the ground if you will um, on what are things that are relevant in our culture what are things that people are asking what are the questions and um, I guess the the heart cries that you're hearing both from believers and unbelievers um, and how can we bring art into that that kind of shows them more clearly who God is and how he wants to work in their circumstance what's the process of listening look like for you yeah, so there's a couple different ways. One is just by staying aware of what's going on in the artistic realm. So I do a lot of research into what's current um, in the dance field specifically. You know, I make a point of going to see as much dance as I can. Um, I have a lot of friends in the art world that I make sure I keep up with them and talk to them and hear what they're thinking about and what they're struggling with. and. 
um, what they're excited about even so that I kind of have a finger on the pulse of what's happening, not just in the Christian realm, but in the mainstream art realm. Um, and then I think a lot of it too is just being willing to observe. Um, I love being in Chicago because you can see so much um, about the culture that we live in from being in this beautiful city. So there are lots of days where I'll just go downtown and just walk around and listen and watch and look and just be inspired and be spoken to, if you will, through the unspoken tide of what people are saying and doing and what they're interested in. And you can learn a lot just by observing people. Um, so that's something that I find to be really fascinating. Absolutely. Here in downtown Chicago, there's a lot of people that pop in headphones when they walk around the city, but it's always helpful to just take the headphones off for a minute, walk through, feel the city, hear the conversations. It's quite, it's quite an important practice. How does how do other ballet companies perceive you then? Because I'm sure that they're aware in that in those relationships they're yeah. aware that Ballet Five Eight is a non for profit that has a specifically Christian mission. Yeah. Uh, so how do they perceive uh, the ballet company? How do they perceive you as they work and relate to you? Yeah, no, I think it's been incredible to see just how much camaraderie there's been um, since starting Ballet 5-8. I wasn't sure if people in the mainstream dance world would be um, interested in our work, but they really have been. Um, and we've made so many good connections and good friends, um, you know, across all boundaries of um, religious background and all these different things. We've seen so much uh, camaraderie just in other people that have the same mission of sharing art in an accessible way. Um, um, and a lot of people really respect the work that we're doing. And I think they see that even though we come from a basis of faith, um, we're not here to tell people how to live or that they must do this or they must do that. But we're really here to dialogue and we're really here to be open and to talk about what we believe and to hear what they believe and to meet them um, in a non-confrontational um, manner. And I think that's really spoken volumes to the dance community here in Chicago. Um, and I've found that the reviewers that come to our shows and the editors I work with in the different dance public are very interested in hearing who we are um, and they they really don't back off from letting us share who we are and the inspiration behind our work that's fantastic I think something about that intrigue comes from even the name right that it's implicit yeah. in that approach of saying we want you to ask questions we're yeah. not trying to tell you exactly what what we're doing um, in that sort of pound it right, we're, right. we're trying to create the kind of curiosity and open space yes for dialogue one of your shows that i looked at on your website was called the space between i think i'm yeah. getting that right yeah. it's based on a c.s lewis novel mm -hmm. um, what are some of those other shows that create those spaces for dialogue and conversation could you give us an example of one of the stories that you recently told yeah um one of the ballets we're just getting geared up to do is called compass um, and compass was inspired by the current world events and so compass it shows a bunch of different scenarios that we face um, in today's world the first ballet in that performance is called All God's Children. Um, it's based on a poem by Sojourner Truth, and it talks about how every different kind of person has a uniqueness to them that is beautiful and that is created by God, and it should be celebrated. Um, and, and in her poem, she speaks to the fact that we can't fully know God if we are um, not accepting of people that look different or talk differently than we do, and how God is so interested in bringing all of his children together um, and that that's what heaven is going to be like and so we have a responsibility as the church um, to start that now and to really accept and love and and highlight the uniqueness um, of the different cultures and the different races um, that are here on this earth and so that piece is really fun it's very whimsical 
I call it my imagine better piece. Um, it's how do we imagine a better world than the one that we live in? How do we imagine a world where instead of being um, at odds because of our differences, we love each other for those and we're excited about it and we get you know enthusiastic about seeing, hey, this is how different you are from me, but look at how that brings out another attribute of God and how that shows us who he is more clearly. So that's one of the ballets um, that we're doing in Compass and it just brings to light who God is in the, in the respect to how he treats his children all equal though we are all unique Um, and I think those kind of ballets really show people hey I didn't think God was like that and I've heard people say that I didn't know that God felt that way because sometimes as Christians we don't do the greatest job of showing how God does feel on some of these issues and so those ballets can bring to light um, the fact that God is different than people maybe thought he was and so people are more interested in knowing him. Yeah, certainly the church does not always do a good job of celebrating difference. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about the performers. Uh, What are their thoughts? I'm assuming that not all the performers are Christians, or maybe they are. Um, How do the performers relate to the stories that you tell and then obviously the mission of Ballet 5-8? Yeah, no. um, So one of the things that we do for the company is we do ask all of our main company members to be believers. Um, So that's a part of the mission itself is that we want them to understand who God is so that they can share that. Um, But we don't always work with Christian choreographers or composers or any of the other creative components. We bring in different people to work with. Um, And so in that sense, we have a creative exchange right in the house as we're creating all of the work. Um, But the dancers are so integral. They're so key to what we're doing because if they don't understand the mission on a very deep level, there's no way for them to really share that mission with the people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they all have such a wonderful um, and unique way of sharing who God is through the way that they dance. Um, And each one of them has a different artistic process and each one of them has a different way of doing that. Um, But as a whole, if you watch a Ballet 5-8 performance, what I've been told is that you can just feel the love of God that comes across even in the nonverbal even without the choreography or anything that I've done, just the spirit and the essence of what the dancers bring to the stage is moving and powerful. Um, And I think that's something that only the Holy Spirit can do in them um, as he works through them um, without anything that we're really doing. He's just channeling through them and working on the audience. Yeah, that's one of the gifts of uh, ballet as an art form as well, right? The the movement of the body, the flow of the performance does communicate an emotion. It's emotive in that way. So it's one of the gift of that art form in specific. There, there are three values you've brought up so far. It, it seems like the ballet company, the performers, the performances are forward facing. And so there's yeah. a message and story being preached. But I know you also have the school. And I know that uh, the school has essentially three values that you list out. Accessibility, high quality instruction, and again, that conversations of life and faith. Yeah. Uh, how do those get arranged in the school? Because in the ballet company, obviously, there's that precedent to tell a specific story that has the grit, the grace, that sort of truth that's redemptive. But what about in the school? Is it undergirded in the same way or is there a different kind of arrangement there? Yeah, great question. Um, So the school is much more open in the sense that not all of the students are believers um, and not all of them come from a background of faith. All the instructors are believers and so the way that they teach and the way that they are an example the way that they mentor the students um, they do that in such a way that they're exemplifying Christ but not all of the students come from that same background um, which I think is really neat because we have the opportunity right there in our own studios to be witnessing the gospel day in and day out um, just by the way that we talk and act the way that we instruct the way that we deal with good and bad days with the students it really teaches them who God is and how they can know him Um, and we've seen so many kids over the years come to saving faith because of just 
just the example of the teachers around them. Um, and then I think as far as accessibility goes, that's a huge value for us because ballet in general is often seen as kind of something for the aristocrats and something for those that have a lot of money and maybe not something for every person. Um, so we've really made a, a very concerted effort to create a lot of campuses for our School of the Arts. Um, we have one in Valparaiso, Indiana, which is, um, you know, a, the demographic is a little bit um, less affluent than in some of the other areas, suburbs of Chicago. And so that's been really neat to see kids that come from a less affluent background that are able to come to dance classes and are able to experience um, the joy of dance. We also have a campus in Beverly, um, which is on the south side of Chicago. Um, and so there's a lot of diversity in that campus and a lot of kids that come from backgrounds where you wouldn't expect that they would ever take a ballet class. So it's been really neat to see those kids um, enter into dance and love it and you know start um, catching the vision for what it can do for them. Um, whether they do it long term or not, it's amazing to just see them capture and grab a hold of how dance um, can be a part of their lives and how it doesn't have to be something that's so far removed or for other kids, but it can really be for them. How do you tell a different story for those students? Uh, well, I, let me yeah. ask that question in two ways. Since the ballet company is pretty closely or explicitly Christian, yeah. uh, do you find that most of the parents bringing their kids are bringing them because they're already believers or is there really some, uh, some yeah. genuine comfort there on that side? How is it accessible to the non-believer of the yeah. person of the faith? How do you tell the story that mm -hmm. we really are welcoming you in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think one of the ways that we really help people of all backgrounds to feel comfortable is that we are not um, we're not necessarily in ballet class sitting there and talking through you know points of scripture, and we're not there um, explicitly teaching anything theological to the kids. The way that we're reaching out to them is much more on a personal basis. Um, it's a one-on-one -on -one basis, and I've had so many parents tell me, um, you know, hey. I'm I'm not a Christian or this isn't what I believe, but you're so warm. You guys are so welcoming. You're so loving. There's so much kindness there and they want their kids to be a part of that. And so I think that that is a huge draw. Um, and then the excellence in training is the other thing. You know, we have a program that is on par with a lot of the other ballet programs um, in the state and even in the country. A lot of our students have been, you know, accepted into places like the School of American Ballet or the Kirov Academy or these very large and prestigious institutes. And so parents see that and they want that for their child. Um, and they're always amazed that they can have that level of training, but in such a nurturing and a kind environment where the staff is really... Um, um, individually focused on the kids and it's not just okay we want you to be good at all costs you know it's really saying we want you to be the best that you can be we want to nurture you um, but we're not willing to make you good at the expense of your heart and soul um, we really want to make sure that we're nurturing the whole student that is a complex balance to achieve yes that high excellence while uh, resisting the temptation to pressurize the environment yeah Absolutely. No, it's probably one of the hardest things that I think our staff and artistic team is constantly finding that, you know, that good uh, middle ground between those two elements. Okay. So we've talked about that accessibility. Of, yeah. And I think that's beautiful, by the way, to be able to um, preach that excellence is an important part of the Christian faith, that we can create excellent art, that we can be excellent artists, um, and we can still retain the value of loving kindness, grace, yeah. really caring for one another. I think that that's uh, beautiful and important to the message. I yeah. think, again, it's one of those implicit ways that Ballet 5-8 creates a space and invites conversation. Uh, let's ask the question from the demographic side of things. Yeah. Uh, you talked about often ballet is considered something for the aristocrats. How do we uh, tell a different story such that students say, hey, I can actually be a part of a ballet company. Mm -hmm. I can be interested in that. I am actually welcome in that space. What does Ballet 5-8 do to 
to tell that story. Yeah. So one of the ways that we tell that story is through the professional company. Um, we have dancers that are all different skin tones, that have all different backgrounds and all different upbringings. So I think that's important um, because when kids look at their role models, if they don't see people that look like them, it's difficult for them to see themselves kind of aspiring to that level. Um, but within our advanced training programs in our company, we have a, a diverse background, um, you know, and I'd love to see it become even more diverse. That's a, a mission that I have in the next decade is to continue to further that um, but we have people of different backgrounds and so I think that right there kind of sets the student up to say oh that person looks like me or you know I can see myself in them and so they feel at home I think the other way is that our executive director, Amy, is really good about financial um, aid for the students. Our tuition is low anyway because we're a nonprofit and we're donor funded. Um, and so there's a lot of really amazing men and women that come alongside us to donate their hard-earned money to be able to get these kids a good dance education. Um, but Miss Amy is also really good about if there's a family that's in need for whatever reason, um, she's very good about finding a work scholarship or finding a way for them to participate so that the doors are open um, to really anybody who wants to take dance, we will find a way to get them into classes. Um, and I think that's so unique because you you often see a limit on the number of financial aid scholarships that are available, or you see a lot of hoops to jump through, whereas Miss Amy is fantastic at really making that as easy and as simple as possible um, to welcome as many different kids into the program as we possibly can. That's a gift. Uh, I know from personal experience, I, I've been a uh, receiver of scholarships uh, as a brown man entering higher ed. Yeah. I know the experience of the importance of accessibility from a financial aid perspective, but there's also that cultural piece. And I'm asking a bit from ignorance, but I know that uh, at least part of the tension for, for African Americans, for Puerto Ricans like yeah. myself, has been some of the things like uh, ballet company, you got to wear tights. Tights come in certain colors. Yeah. What do I think about that? What do I think about the rules about hair? And I know there are some guidelines mm -hmm. there for you guys in, in the school. What does that look like to make sure that students are well adjusted? Do we have a story about how students have been able to uh, assimilate into the culture yeah. in a way that's comfortable, in a way that retains some of that dignity of their own their own hair, their own style, their own color. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's such a good question. Um, and one story that comes to mind was a little girl, um, a little African-American girl, probably eight or nine years old, and she had her braids in, and she was having a hard time putting her hair in a bun because of the way that her hair was done. Um, and one of our older students, who is also African-American, you know, just came alongside her and was like, hey, this is how you can take your braids and put them up into a bun, and it won't ruin them. And, you know, just was so sweet and mentoring her and how to put the hair up so that it's back you know, and away from the face like you need to dance, but also helping her maintain the integrity of her background and culture. Um, and so that I think was a really sweet moment for me um, that I wasn't really involved in. I was just observing this older student really take that initiative. Um, and that just made me really proud of the culture that we've created within the organization to say, look, we want to, you know, have this high level of excellence, but we're not so entrenched in our traditions that we can't see past that into really creating a space that is comfortable and functional for everybody that's a part of it. Yeah, from a geography perspective, is there difficulties there? Because you are in the south suburbs. Yeah. So for many of the students of color, they're probably coming in from the city or yeah. from suburbs that are adjacent to where you are. Right. Um, what does that look like from a transportation geography perspective? Is there something that Ballet 5-8 is doing? 
Yeah, yeah. You know what? Actually, we have a couple of different things that we've done over the years in terms of doing workshops. We actually have a workshop this weekend um, on the south side of Chicago. So we do a lot of effort um, to go out into other communities where kids maybe um, wouldn't be able to travel to us. We'll take what we're doing to them. We've done stuff in Pilsen before. We've done um, a lot of stuff. We've done stuff in Bronzeville, kind of all over the city where we actually take our workshops to them. So that way it's right there in their neighborhood within walking distance so that they can come and join us. Um, and then if we do have kids that want to come on a regular basis, that Beverly campus has been such a blessing because it's a lot more accessible. It's closer to public transportation. So we've had a lot more um, kids of diverse background able to come to that campus because it's closer into the city. Um, and so that's something, again, that I'd love to see us expand the number of campuses that we have, especially on the south and west side of Chicago, to continue over the next 10 years to really uh, further that mission of accessibility. That's amazing because I, the geography piece is an important one, right? Certain places come with certain stories right and so there's the there's that element of access but then as we talked about the culture piece yeah. right being able to stay around uh, kids of my own type or yeah. my own color those kinds of things is, is helpful in terms of that comfort piece right um, I noticed on your website one thing that surprised me was uh, the hip-hop dance class yeah what is it and how does it relate to the other classes? Yeah, no, hip hop is such a fun art form. It's so full of joy and it's just, I don't know, there's something about it that's really infectious. Um, and every time we do our showcase and the little hip hop group comes on, it's one of my favorite pieces because you just see the joy in it and the way that they can move and certain kids just uh, really grab onto that movement style and it really frees them up and gives them a way to express themselves. Um, and so the teachers that teach that genre are really good about choosing music that's fun and upbeat, um, but they're very careful too that the lyrics are clean and that it's appropriate for you know young kids um, but something I always tell my teaching staff is that dance can be as appropriate or inappropriate as you want it to be it really depends on your intention and the heart behind it um, you can do hip-hop in a way that's edifying and glorifying to God you can be mindful of modesty and keeping things fun um, and upbeat but not you know foraying into anything that would be inappropriate so I think that's true of ballet too though frankly ballet can be very inappropriate and there are you know big classes classical works like Manon or Merling that are really not appropriate at all. And so it's not really the form of dance that um, can take you away from being God glorifying. It's really the heart behind what you're doing. So I always encourage our, our staff members to say, hey, you know, look at it through this lens of let's be God glorifying, let's be edifying, let's keep everything um, on in a way that glorifies God, but also keeps the integrity of the dance style. And the team has done a great job with really assimilating those values into the way that they teach. That's excellent. I know that most people, when they have the question about Christianity and the arts, they think yeah. it just about the final product, yes. right? The dance performance, the song lyrics, the, the message behind both, right? right? But they don't think about the, the questions about how we treat our dancers, yeah. the question about um, how we, in fact, make sure that uh, we're dancing with modesty, those yeah. kinds of pieces, right? So it, it seems that Belly 5 is really trying to think through how does the Christian faith apply to the way that we treat our instructors, yeah. the way that our instructors te treat the students, how we make this accessible, right? We're trying to make sure that the Christian faith affects every piece of that. Um, is there a piece that we're missing? What, what other ways have you been sort of surprised about how the, the faith behind Ballet 5-8 has touched the family? 
Yeah, I think one of the ways that it has surprised me is really in working with some of the dancers that move here from across the country to dance. Um, there's a program that we have called our trainee program, and those dancers are college age. They're like 18 to 21. And I've been surprised in the way that bringing them in has had this effect of really helping them to find out who they are in Christ and really deepening their walk in a way that I, I had not expected. I had expected to train these dancers to help them get professional contracts. You know, that was my mind in kind of bringing them here. But what I hear most often from them is that, yes, they're impacted by the great dance training. But more than that, they're impacted by the fact that they're in a community of believers, people that pray for them daily, people that are there to walk through life with them, people that are there to help mentor them through the hard parts of life. And so we've seen so many of these young adults come through the program and some go on to dance, but some go on to the mission field and some go on to teach and some go on to all kinds of different fields. And the common thread is that they're saying, okay, this is the place where God has really solidified my faith in Christ just by seeing the instructors and just by walking alongside them on a daily basis to have those role models, to have those mentors has had more impact than almost any of the intentional things that we've done. So that's really cool to kind of see how just that really organic believers being alongside other believers has made a huge impact on these young people. Yeah, it's that spiritual formation that comes with contact, conversation, especially at a crucial time. And these right. people are moving. So that is surprising. And it sounds like a great opportunity in that regard if they're getting the training, yeah. but also getting the ability to really uh, ask questions about who they are and where yeah. they're heading in the future. That is amazing. I know you have Compass that you talked about. It's a show that's coming up. Yes. What are some other things that we can expect moving forward from Ballet 5-8? Yeah. So moving forward, we're always looking to see, okay, what is the next work that we can do that's innovative? Um, what is the next thing we can find that maybe doesn't look like the other ballets that people are producing? Um, I think that as a Christian artist, we have a responsibility not just to Christianize what's already been made, but to create our own our own style and our own forms of innovation. Um, and that's really important to me as a choreographer. And so I'm always trying to figure out, okay, where is dance heading and how can I push forward with that. Um, ballet specifically is very rooted in tradition and that's not a bad thing but without pushing forward into what's next for ballet the art form is really stagnates and so I'm always thinking of okay how can we change the aesthetic how can we push forward um, in terms of how the athleticism looks on stage what are the ways that we can take the art form and push it past where it is right now and move it to that next step um, so one of the ballets that we're thinking about right now is actually based on a book by um, Tracy Groot and it's called Madman um, and it's the backstory of the demon possessed man in the Gospels and wow. yeah it's incredible it's um it's a really cool historical fiction piece and it just lends itself to great storytelling um, and it lends itself to a really different aesthetic it deals with all kinds of incredible themes and it's very redemptive so that's our next big work um, we're actually working with a composer in Portland Oregon to create the score um, which is amazing wow. to have an original yeah original composition you know original piece um, and it's something that I can really see pushing not just uh, Christian dance forward but dance in general um, so more to come on that later but that's our next big project when is that coming up when can people expect to see that yeah we're hoping within the next year um, we're in the process okay. of getting grants to fund it and finding the right people to help come alongside the creation process, but we're hoping for a premiere in spring of 2020. That's amazing. Uh, that's all the time that we have. Uh, we're going to share some of the videos that we have of Ballet 58, uh, share some information about upcoming shows on our website, and we hope that everyone spent some time thinking about that integration of arts and faith. Mm -hmm. Is there any piece of advice or point that you want to leave the, the listeners with? 
yeah, I think just to open your mind and your heart to how um, art and faith can influence um, you, you specifically and also how they can influence each other. I think that um, the arts have been historically a huge part of the church, and I would love to see that relationship grow and flourish even more in the 21st century. So that's something that I think depends on each of us to say how can we foster that, whether it's as an audience member or as a creative or any number of different ways that we can look and see how God can work in the arts. I would just encourage people to be open to that. Excellent. Thank you, Juliana. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this feature with Ballet 5-8 and Juliana Rubio Slager, make sure to check out their new show, The Space In Between. Details for that are on our website, worldoutspoken.com. For more features like this, check out our podcast on our website, as well as the many features and articles that we post on World Outspoken. This has been a World Outspoken feature. Thank you for listening.